Hey, welcome to Church Alive. Our mission is to reach, teach, and empower people to impact their generation for Christ. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the message. Senior Associate Pastor at Christ Tab and was the leader and creative architect of Misfit, author, speaker, father, all-round good guy. I want you to stand to your feet and I want you to make Chris Durso. Come on, I want you to give him a Church Alive, transform the weekend, welcome. Come on, make some noise. Man, that was more than good for me, but if you love Jesus in this place, let's take about 20 seconds and give him our best shout. Come on, Church Alive. We thank you, God. Come on, you could do better than that. Remain standing for a second. Remain standing for a second. I just, first off, I want to say what a privilege and an honor it is to be here in your incredible church. I've, I've heard of your church for a long time. Uh, my mom has been to your church. She's raving about it. And just getting to be here, getting to be in the atmosphere, it's a pretty incredible thing. And I don't know how many churches you've been to. Maybe you've never been to another church and you might think that all churches are like this. Can I just tell you as a guy that's been to a good amount of churches, not every church has this. And when we say this, we're talking about atmosphere and we're talking about the presence of God. We're talking about that sense that you feel that you men, you just feel like God is in this place. And it's a pretty special thing. It's not something to take for granted. And, and here's what I know there. They're not a whole lot of things that we could contribute it to other than the beautiful grace and the mercy of God that he would allow us to be in his presence. But, but anytime I've been to a church that feels like this, the one common thing that I could always find is that they are brilliant leaders at the helm. Can we take a second? And I want to thank God for your pastors. And let, let me just say this because I know the moment I say their name, you're going to shout. And I love that. That's good. Except I always think there's the guy or the girl in the room that's like, ah, oh, here we go. They're going to they're gonna honor each other. And, you know, they're going to they're gonna swap honor. And Pastor Anthony's going to honor him. And then the good-looking guest speaker is going to come up. And he's, he's going to honor them. And, and the fact is, that's, that's true. I am going to honor your pastors. And the fact is, you should never have a guest speaker if he can't honor your pastors. And, but, you know, theology teaches us that when you make much of a man or a woman of God, what you're saying is, God, I agree with your choice. And because you come in agreement with the choice of God, you're saying, God, I, I love your will. I'm grateful for your will. And as a result of that, he extracts glory from that. So do you know that it makes God happy? It blesses God. It brings God glory when you come in agreement with the choice that he's made. And I can't think of a better choice for this church than the pastors that you have and pastors Anthony and Miriam Fleming. Can we thank God for them right now? We, thank you, God. Thank you so much. Amazing. 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 Come on, go on ahead and grab your seat. Unless you don't like who you're sitting next to. This is a moment to change right here and now. Maybe if you're single. Any singles in the room? Sing not, not too loud, not too loud. We, we said single, not thirsty. Okay, just play it, play it cool, play it cool. He's gonna, he's gonna send them, he's gonna send her. You don't, you don't gotta go that hard, okay? He's like, like any singles, like, yeah. You know, like, 
Because if they're here, you're going to scare them. I'm just trying to help you. I'm just trying to help. Uh, man, I'm, I'm from the other side of the river. And uh, I love being able to come to a church that I get to drive to. And it just, it blesses me to see, man, something this beautiful happening in Jersey. And on behalf of my pastors, who are also my parents, Pastor Michael and Maria Derso, I come with greetings. They wanted me to tell you that they love you and that they're praying for tonight. And I get to serve them. I've, I've served them for Man, almost almost 17 years now in full-time ministry. For almost 12 years, my wife and I served as their youth and young adult pastors uh, through a ministry called Misfit NYC. And for the past four years, this November, uh, we have served as their number twos, as their executive pastors. Because come January of next year, my wife and I will become the new senior pastors of our church, Christ Tabernacle. And I appreciate that. Thank you. I only mention that because if you ever remember me beyond this moment, would you pray for me? This, <laughs> this job is not that easy. And I haven't even started yet. I could just tell, like, man, I, I hope I look that good in the gym like your pastor. Like, I want to be able to tell stories like that, by the way. Like, yeah, I was in the gym as opposed to I was at Taco Bell. Like, that's how my stories start off. You know what I mean? Like, but, man, I'm, I'm honored to be here. And I, I got a word for you. Um, I'm going to preach a brand new message. Is that okay? It's just the message that I just shared uh, only two weeks ago uh, with my church. And I've been praying about it because it's not kind of one of those messages that you preach like your first time at a church. It's one of those messages that like you save for like the time you get invited back so you know you guys are good. Um, however, I just feel like, well, we're, we're like New Yorkers and New Jersey. And well, we kind of like honesty, right? Like we're not like we didn't just come out on a Friday night so that we could get appeased. We we came out for a word. Amen. So. So I'm going to preach this message with everything I got, and I'm just, I'm just praying with everything I got that God continues to do something great, especially if I do bad tonight. So um, in the book of John, the book of John, if you have your Bibles, you could open up to it. The book of John, chapter 11, I'm going to be reading to you uh, starting at verse 1. It's a pretty popular story in the Bible. It's a, it's a story that you might have heard before. And if you've been around church before, you've definitely heard this story before. It's a, it's a beautiful story. Let's, let's jump in right here. John chapter 11, verse one says this, a man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Now, for the sake of this message, that is a very important blues clue for you to hold on to. Okay, this is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. Other translations read, Lord, the one that you love is sick. I love that these two have such a relationship with Jesus that they know that they could go to him with their need. It's pretty beautiful. It's pretty amazing. Other translations say, love the, the one that you love is sick. But you know what I love about that statement is that I could literally substitute the name of Lazarus with any other name and that statement would still be true. So Lord, the one that you love, Lazarus is sick. True. Lord, the one that you love, Chris is sick. True. Lord, the one that you love that just came to church for the first time last week is sick. And it would still be true. Why? Because he loves people. Yeah. Lord, the one that you love is, is sick. 
It goes on to say, verse 4, but when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus's sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. Now, if you've been around church for any amount of time and you've heard this text preached, you know that when I read that first part, but when Jesus heard about it and he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death, that's the moment that the church loses their mind. This is the moment, if you preach this up, people are taking laps, they're running up and down the aisle, they're breaking out the flags, and I love it. You should, you should be praising in advance for the miracle you're about to get. However, I think it is important to note that we understand that the next statement is equally as important, if not more important, than the previous statement. Because it says this. It says, no, it happened for the glory of God. Wow. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But his disciples objected. Rabbi, they said, only a few days ago, the people in Judea were trying to stone you. Are you going there again? Jesus replied, there are only 12 hours of daylight every day. During the day, people can walk safely. They can see because they have the light of this world. But at night, there is danger of stumbling because they have no light. Then he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him up. Verse 12 allows me to know that I could have been a disciple too, because they weren't that smart. <laughs> disciples said, Lord, if he's sleeping, he'll soon get better. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. So he told them plainly, this is the best. Lazarus is dead. Okay, like, I try to be poetic. I try to use imagery here, but you're not getting it. So, so he's dead. All right, you got it? He's dead. Wow. Verse 15, look at this. It says, and for your sakes, man, and for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. What a peculiar statement. And for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now you will really believe. These are the men that lived with Jesus, traveled with Jesus. If Jesus had a small group, this is his small group. This is his 12. And yet these men that lived with Jesus day in and day out didn't fully believe. How do I know? Because he says, for now you will really believe. This was a big moment for the disciples. It's going to be a big moment for Lazarus, but obviously, evidently, Jesus is trying to show us that it's actually big for way more than just him. He says, come, let's go see him. Thomas, nicknamed the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let's go to and die with Jesus. So dramatic. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem. In other words, he wasn't that far. He could have been there way sooner. In fact, the same day he received the message that Lazarus was sick, he could have just showed up if you wanted to know. And many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. But Mary stayed in the house. The same Mary that would later on pour oil on the feet of Jesus and wipe it with her hair. That same Mary in this moment stood in 
the house. I want to take the next few moments and I want to preach to you from this idea, oil over offense. If you're taking notes, I want you to write that down. Oil over offense. If you're not taking notes, take notes. Oil over offense. If you've ever been offended, write it down. Oil over offense. If you're offended that asks you to write that down, write it down. Oil over offense. Literally two Fridays ago, I'm preaching, about to preach at a conference in Dallas, Texas. And I'm in my hotel room. I'm by myself. And I'm trying to get ready. I'm trying to gather my thoughts. Now, I wish it worked for me that the Holy Spirit would speak so far in advance that I would know every message that I had to preach coming up. But for me, typically, I don't know necessarily what I'm going to say until right before the service. Production managers hate me. <laughs> I'm in my room. I got worship music going. I'm trying to figure it out. Simultaneously, I'm trying to get dressed really quick. And I'm trying to do all these things. And as I'm trying to get dressed, I grab this package of socks. And I go to grab the package of socks while I'm praying to God for him to show me what to preach. And as I'm praying about what to preach, I take the package of socks. I go to rip off the package, but I can't do it with my hands, so I use my teeth. And as I do this with my teeth, my tooth pops out. Thank you for laughing. Well, my veneer popped out. See, when I was a child, my two brothers, my, my two older brothers who were supposed to be more mature brothers, they both grabbed me when I was only seven years old by the, by the arms and the legs. They swung me. They threw me on a bed frame. And as a result, my, my two teeth in the front popped out. So as a result, I have veneers. So as I bite the package, the veneer pops out. What a conundrum. I'm looking in the mirror and here is my, is my little baby tooth that was hidden behind my veneer. No? I'm looking in the mirror and I have grown up teeth and a baby tooth. Now I gotta be honest with you, I'm not that insecure. So I'm looking at myself like, well, I don't look that bad. I'll be okay. At the same time, it hurts. It's sensitive. Every time I open up my mouth, I could just feel the pain and I could hardly talk properly. And immediately the Holy Spirit says to me, but you still have to minister. And it was then that the Holy Spirit said to me that there are people, people in your church, people in the church that have sat out from serving. They have sat out from tithing. They have sat out from ministering because they chipped their tooth. I knew in that moment that no matter what I felt like, I still had to proceed with ministering. But can I tell you that I would have had an easy out not to minister in that moment because I could hardly speak. And the only task I had to do was preach. I could have did that sitting down. I could have did that standing up. I could have did it in the dark, which would have been weird. However, I probably could have convinced them to do it. And I had every reason not to. And the Holy Spirit said to me, you do not get to use this as an excuse. And I just feel like I came all the way over here from New York to Jersey to tell somebody that your excuse 
excuse is not valid. You should have been serving. You need to start serving. I know you chipped your tooth, but your chipped tooth is no good reason for you to not take part in a transform group. Your chipped tooth is no good reason for you not to tithe. Your chipped tooth is no good reason for you not to serve on a camera, not to serve in children, not to serve in tooth. No one doubts that you have a chipped tooth, but the chipped tooth is not greater than the calling that's on your life. The Bible says that Mary stood in the house. Mary is offended. Mary is frustrated. Mary is so annoyed with Jesus. Why? Because this was her Jesus. This is, this is the Jesus she's in relationship with. She knew that when Lazarus was sick, she had access to the only person, the one with the greatest power that could heal her brother and get them out of this pickle. She knew who Jesus was. So she sent a message ahead and Jesus doesn't respond the way that she wanted him to respond. He says the sickness will not end in death. So when she receives the message, she's thinking, oh my goodness, everything is going according to plan. Although my brother is sick, the sickness will not end in death. But then what happens? Jesus stays back where he is a few more days. And as a result, Lazarus dies. Now Mary believes that Jesus lied. Now she believes that the very one that, that promised her didn't come through for her now she's thinking oh my goodness this is this is Jesus he he's supposed to be there for me he's supposed to do for me he's supposed to heal my brother I, I fellowshiped with him I've I've hung out with him he gave me his word and now she is so frustrated that instead of going to where Jesus is she says I'm staying back in the house you ever been so offended that you say I'm not going I'm not serving, I'm not, I'm not talking, I'm not even going to text him back, I'm, I'm not going to reach out, I'm, I'm not going to make him dinner, I'm, just, I'm not going, I'm, I'm not going to like their photos, I'm, I'm going to unfollow them. You, you ever been so offended that you now allow your offense to dictate your next move? In fact, you allow your offense to keep you from moving. It says that Mary, Mary stood back. The Bible goes on to describe to us that she stays back with who? With the mourners. She says, I'd rather hang out with these people who have been paid, by the way, you could read that at another time, but who have been assigned to cry with me. These men, these women are crying with me. And you know what? Misery loves company. So I'd rather be with the mourners than be with the Messiah. I'd rather spend time with them because I'm stuck in my feelings and I like my feelings and they're offended because I'm offended. And as they talk to me about their offenses, I pick up their offenses because when you're offended, you see every offense the same way. Someone did wrong by you. Somebody didn't do well by you. Somebody promised you one thing and did something else. And none of the facts or the truths matter. It just knows that you feel a certain way. So as a result, you are justified to stay back. She says, I'd rather stay with the mourners. I'd rather stay with those that are crying. I'd rather stay with those that are going to listen to my gossip. As I gossip on God, as I gossip on Jesus, as I gossip on the church, as I talk about the pastor, as I talk about the friend, as I talk about the leader, as I talk about the family member, as I talk about the person, I'm going to hang out with them. I know what I should be doing. 
And that's an important point for the sake of this message. Because when you think about it, this is the Mary that would later take the oil and pour it on the feet of Jesus and wipe it with her hair. But please believe that was not, that was not Mary's first time at the feet of Jesus. The Bible describes to us before Lazarus dies that Jesus is over the house. Martha's in the kitchen. Martha is cooking, but where's Mary? Mary is at the feet of Jesus, and she's listening to her Jesus, and she knows her sister's upset. She knows that her sister got an attitude because, well, sisters know when sisters are acting up, and she knows how Martha's acting. She knows that Martha got her attitude, but here's the thing. She could care less about Martha's attitude because she's so in love with her Jesus that she's not going to allow anything to take her from her Jesus you remember those moments when you're so in love with Jesus that you're not going to allow anything to keep you from your Jesus all hell is breaking out outside but you could care less you're like I'm good I got my Jesus when people are talking about you you could care less you're like I got my Jesus just just give me my Jesus just just give me my Bible I, I don't need anything else you could have this whole world but give me Jesus if there's anybody in the room that says I love my Jesus there's nothing like worshiping my Jesus. There's nothing like praising my Jesus. I dare you take about 30 seconds and give your Jesus your best shout. One, two, three, go. I want to remind Mary of how you used to act. Let's take a second to talk to all the Marys in the room. Not Miriam. Let's talk to all the Marys. Let's talk to every Mary in the room that knows better. It goes on to say in the text, Luke 10. Do you have that scripture? Can you put that up there for me, Luke 10? Luke 10. <laughs> there we go. Can you bring it to verse 41 for me? You guys are amazing. Thank you. This is the moment. This is the moment. After Martha goes and complains to Jesus that Mary's not helping in the kitchen. She goes and she's so frustrated with Mary that she, she rats Mary out to Jesus. She's like, Jesus, talk to my sister because I'm in the kitchen and I'm cooking. I got the rice going. I got the beans going. I got the pastelas going. I got all this happening. Some of you were like, did he mispronounce that? Yes, I'm white. Leave it alone. <laughs> After Martha goes to Jesus to tell on Mary, look at Jesus' response. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. Next verse. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. In other words, it's me. You're making this moment about all the other details and all the other things, but let's just bring it back for a second. Make the main thing the main thing. But listen, Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Mary has discovered it. Mary has discovered it. This is why I can't let Mary off the hook. Mary knows better. 
She knew where she should have been. She knew what she should be doing. But as a result of her feelings and her emotions, instead of going to the gate where Jesus is and Martha is, she says, "Uh uh-uh, I'm staying back with the mourners. I love my dad. He says this quote all the time. He says that emotions are the greatest disruption to revelation. When you allow your emotions to speak louder than your theology, you will listen to your emotions over than what you know the word of God says. The word of God commands you turn the other cheek. The word of God says you're supposed to love your enemy. The word of God says you're to forgive people. And yet you know that. And you're like, don't hit me with that right now. I want to be stuck in my emotions. I want to be angry. I want to subtweet. I want to make the jokes. I want to be sarcastic. I want to make the comments. So leave. Leave me alone with the mourners. Watch what Jesus does. He goes, Martha, tell Mary I'm here. You got to love Jesus. Because he's about to school all Marys in the room. Martha came to see him. Mary knew Jesus was there, but she stood back. Jesus knew Mary knew. (laughs) That he was there. But he stays where he's at. He then tells Martha, if you read it, go tell Mary I'm here. Now, if we were trying to save time, the leader in me goes, well, Jesus, just go take the walk with Martha. Because Martha has to go pull her away from the mourners anyway, show up in the house and grab her in that moment and say, hey, let me talk to you. But what does Jesus do? Jesus says, I'm going to wait right here. (laughs) Martha, would you go tell Mary I'm here? In other words, come here. And any parents in the room? We, we know how to crush that statement, right? I don't want to. Ha <laughs> ha. Come here. You know? <laughs> Go brush your teeth. I don't want to. Ha <laughs> ha. Do it or die. Like this is, this is the superpower we have as parents. I want you to come here. I don't want to. Ha <laughs> ha. Come here. Go make your bed. I don't want to make my bed. Ha <laughs> ha. You thought it was your bed. Ha <laughs> ha. Come here. You know what I mean? <laughs> Jesus is saying, Go get Mary and tell her to come. He knew she knew better. And he was trying to get her to remember who he was and put him back on the throne of her heart. Tell Mary to come. The Bible tells us that stubbornness is like witchcraft. Stubbornness is like witchcraft. So in order for me to break this curse that you've allowed yourself to get under, I need you to literally get up and walk away from it. 
See, Mary's frustrated because she wants Jesus to do what she wants him to do. I know you could heal him. You didn't even have to get up and come over here. You could just send the word. Just say that Lazarus is healed and Lazarus would be healed. But no, you got to give us a word. Then stay where you are just a few more days. A few more days, Jesus. You were just a few miles down the road. Even if you wanted to be present, even if you needed to be present, you could have just showed up a few few hours later but you waited all this time and now because you waited all this time my brother is dead and I'm frustrated and I want my brother and it's not how I wanted it to be it's amazing when we start yelling at God when he doesn't follow our plans but this is the whole adjustment for everybody to get in the room and anyone that decides to be a Christian this is not about you it is never about you even your your breakthrough isn't about you. Your miracle isn't about you. Your resurrection isn't about you. Your deliverance isn't about you. Now you're a bit, you get the benefits of it. You get to receive it. You are better because of it. But the issue is when we make Christianity about us, so we could talk about our story, our story, our story. It is your story, but it's your story for his glory. He allows you to deal with what you deal with he allows you to go through what you go through so he can extract glory from it see mary's frustrated because she wants her brother to be healed so that she could be with him but jesus is like i need to let him die so that i could resurrect him so now all the people want to get with me you want to talk about a momentum shift Let's shift our perspective and understand that the reason why we do what we do, no matter what it looks like, no matter what it feels like, it is all for the glory of God. The good times are for the glory of God. The bad times are for the glory of God. The issues are for the glory of God. When it doesn't make sense to us, it doesn't matter. It is about the glory of God. Here's Mary caught in her feelings. I'm going to stay back because he didn't do what I wanted him to do when I wanted him to do it. Completely missing out that Jesus is up to something. Jesus is working this whole thing out. She wants what she wants when she wants it. And she's completely missing the fact that Jesus is not a man that he should lie. So if he said to you, the sickness will not end in death, that should have been enough for you, for you to start worshiping and for you to start praising. Because let's just be honest. He didn't even need to do that. He's God all by himself. He doesn't need to answer to you. He doesn't need to submit to you. He does not need to give you a word. Oh, because he gave you a word when he gives you a word it's for his grace and his mercy it's as a result of his grace and his mercy he owes us nothing so when he does it we ought to be blessed and grateful because of it but even when he doesn't you're still God 
you're still king. You're still my Jesus. I don't, I don't fully understand it, but I want to stay at your feet. I don't, I don't fully get it, but I want to be in your presence. I, I don't understand that why after I left the service and after the incredible weekend that happened at the job, that happened at the doctor's appointment. I don't understand why that happened with the business. This is not the moment where you blame God. This is the moment where you trust God and say, God, even though it doesn't make sense to me, you are king and you are Lord. So I will praise you in the good times. I will praise you in the bad times. I will praise you when it gets real. I will praise you when it's easy. I'll praise you when it's difficult because even when it doesn't make sense, you are still on the throne and you deserve all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor. If you believe that, give them a shout. This is why he's saying, come here. Come here. Come here. Now, I want to point out the fact. The verse I just read to you. Mary knows who Jesus is. Fair? She's discovered this. She knows how great, how merciful, how loving he is. So because she could bet on how great he is, she knows that she could act up a little bit and kind of get away with it. You ever have that moment where you have an opportunity to do the unchristlike thing and you do it knowing that I could just repent later, I could, I could get good later? See, three things could have happened here. Martha shows up, Mary doesn't. Martha says, oh yeah, Mary didn't come. But Jesus is Jesus, so he knew Mary didn't come. He could have did one of three things. He could have walked with Martha to go get Mary. He could have stood exactly where he was like he did. Or, third option, he could have just left. So no, Mary didn't come. He gave her the opportunity. Sorry, Lazarus, you're not going to get healed. Mary should have been here. And he could have peaced out. We serve a God that loves us so much that even when we act up, he doesn't walk away. I want to get this in your heart and in your spirit right now. Because Jesus has been waiting for so many of you to respond and you've been fighting and you've been frustrated and you're completely missing out that he's only waiting for you because he's gracious, because he's loving. He could have walked away. He could have said, forget you. I gave you the opportunity when I died on the cross for you. That was more than enough. But obviously, you know who I am. You have this revelation and yet you're still not getting it. Peace out. But no, no. What does he do? He says, I'm going to stay right here. Listen, he's so gracious and he's so merciful that he says, I'm going to wait for you. I'm not going to walk away from you, but I need you to walk to me. This speaks to free will. This speaks to surrender. This speaks to the idea that I'm always here for you, but as long as I'm here for you, I'm not going to force myself on you. I need you to surrender to me. This points out the fact that here he is waiting for you because he loves you, but you're going to got to do some work. You're going to have to get up and take a walk. You want to learn how to walk? Take a walk. You want to learn how to abide with Jesus? Run to Jesus. Walk to Jesus. Get to him. Listen, and don't allow anything to stop you. After Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, the Bible then goes on to describe that everyone's back in the house. 
Mary, Martha, a whole bunch of people. Even Lazarus. Lazarus, who was just dead, is now sitting at the dinner table with Jesus and everybody else. Can you imagine what that moment was like? Imagine the embarrassment on Mary and Martha. Imagine what's running through their mind as they're sitting at the table with Jesus thinking, how could I have thought that he was going to hurt me? How could I have thought he wasn't going to come through for me? How, how could I ever thought that he would lie to me after he gave me the word? And the Bible describes to us that Mary goes and she grabs the oil. She pours the oil on his feet. Now, many of us know, if not, the oil represents her worship. See, technically what she's doing is preparing his body for what's about to happen. But it also symbolizes submission, worship, and praise. I submit to you so I don't stand face to face with you. I sit at your feet. I sit under your leadership. And I'm going to take my oil. I'm going to take the value that I have. And I'm going to lavish it on you. I am going to pour it on you to demonstrate that you deserve all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor. It's a, it's a pretty beautiful and powerful moment. But I could argue that that oil, that same oil, it was in her pantry the entire time. The oil that she would pour on his feet was there when she was crying. The oil that she was going to lavish on his feet and eventually wipe it with her hair, it was in her house the entire time waiting to be poured out on him. There are some of you in the room because you're so caught up in your feelings and your offense and your chipped tooth that you have stayed back when you should have been at his feet. You could have been worshiping him. You could be praising him. You could be honoring him. You could be submitting to him. But you've decided, I want to stay here where I'm at. And here's the word that the Holy Spirit wanted me to give to you. Stop mourning and start pouring. Go grab the oil, throw it on his feet, and say, God, I fully surrender. I'm not going to hide my oil from you anymore. I'm going to make this thing about you because it is for your glory. It is for your namesake. See, Mary's so called up and offended and frustrated because she wants a healing on day one but Jesus is like if I kill him on day one there's no difference between me and a doctor so I'd rather resurrect him on day four so when day four happens and I tell Lazarus to get up out of that grave people are going to look around and say a doctor couldn't do that no other person can do that it must be that Jesus is the way the truth and the life see what you have to understand is that even when it doesn't make sense, he's about to make sense of it when things are going bad and they're going horrible and they don't match up with the word that he already gave you. Get ready because day four is coming. Get ready because the momentum shift is coming. Get ready because the transformation is coming. Get ready because the resurrection is coming. But can I encourage you to be the kind of believer that doesn't wait for day four to praise him? Can we be the kind of 
believers that worship him on day one, day two, day three, and day four. If there's anybody in the room that would say, I'm bold enough, I'm going to believe in him. I'm not going to allow my offense to overwhelm me anymore, but I realize and know he is still the way, the truth, and the life. He is seated at the right-hand side of the Father. He does hold the entire world in his hand, and I've been keeping my worship from him, but he deserves it, so I'm going to give it to him now. Any people that love Jesus for real, give him your best shout. One, two, three, go. Come on, give him a shout. Let's worship him. Let's praise him. Let's, let's lift up our hands. Worship team, you could come up here. Let's, let's lift up our hands. Let's open up our mouths. Let's, let's praise him in this place. I'm trying to get you. Out of all the side conversations that you should have never had, but you did. I'm trying to get you out of all the comments, all the jokes, all the subliminal things you've stayed, all the, all the, all the sarcastic statements you've made. I'm trying to remove you from it. And you might say, well, my offense isn't with Jesus, it's with so-and-so. Here's the greatest commandment. Love me with all your heart. Here's the second that's just like it, equally as important. Love your neighbor the same way. Love the person to your left, to your right, the way that you love me. Your offense may not be with God, but if it's with God's people, God's creation, God is included. He says, who do you love, your emotions or me? Because if you love me, I'm not saying you don't deserve the apology. You probably do. But don't worry about the apology. Don't worry about what they could have did or should have did. Just, just make it about me. Because this is the same God that died in advance for every sin we would commit. You know, he didn't die for the sins that we've already repented for. But he died for the sins that we never thought we would commit. The ones that didn't even happen yet. The, the mess ups, the mistakes, the dirty joking, the, the looking at the things that you shouldn't know when you respond to your spouse. It may not even have happened yet, but he still died in advance. I'll never forget the story I was counseling. This girl, she couldn't have been any older than 16. And it's me, her, and her mom. And I'm trying to talk to her. And she's not talking to me. She's talking to her mom. She's telling her mom to tell me things. She doesn't want to say to me, even though I'm looking at her. And the whole time, she's clapping her hands. You ever see someone when they're upset, they clap their hands? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I don't do that in Jersey? Okay. I'm saying this, Ma, tell him <laughs> that this is who I am. Please tell the pastor that I was born like this, that I have an attitude, that, that I'm always going to be this way. 
And I'm watching this thing and I'm thinking, how is this mom not smacking this daughter? Like, like if this were me and my mom was there, please believe I would have caught an Italian backhand straight across the face. Like, but you know what that moment showed me? It shows me the things that we tell ourselves that we believe that is actually greater than the truth. See, if I really wanted to preach it up and if I wanted to get people going, I would make statements like you were created in the image of your God. And we love those statements like, yes, I was created in the image of my God. I am beautiful and perfect and flawless. I woke up like this. <laughs> you were created in the image of your God. You were created in the image of your forgiving God. You were created in the image of your merciful God, in your all-loving God, in your God that took up every sin that all humanity would ever commit. It says, don't charge it to them. Charge it against me. He didn't only die for me. He died as me. He said, even though I was perfect and I was spotless, I'm going to take on all their sin and all their mistakes. So every time you have a moment, And Jesus is tugging on your heart right now and telling you, you need to go to apologize even though they hurt you. And he's telling you, even though you haven't heard from them and you're waiting to hear from them and you've been timing it, forget that. Reach out to them and love them. Take all your emotions and all your feelings and all your justice Throw it to the side and say, because the God of grace loves me and died for me and accepted me and allows me back at his feet. After all my mistakes and after all I've done, he allows me back at his feet. How could I hold any offense against any person why because if you've been forgiven much you forgive much forgiving people forgive people pastor i'm done well i'm lying but i want to be done worship team please come up here because if you come up here i'll stop but i do i need us to worship to help us get to this moment but can i just share this picture with you when I was at the same conference, the one that chipped my tooth, there was this 80-year-old bishop, and he just loved Jesus. And he loved Jesus so much that he was laid out on the floor sobbing. He wasn't preaching. He was just in the room. And because the presence of God was so heavy, all he could do was lay out before God. And he was sobbing. And you could tell that it didn't matter what anyone else thought of him or what anything else was going. He just loved Jesus so much. And it wasn't like carpet floors. It was hard, cold, dirty floors. He didn't care. I said, God, when I get to 80, I want to be like that. I want to love you so much that I don't care how hard the floors are. 
That I don't care how difficult the situation is. I just love you so much that I want to be in your presence. I want to serve you and I want to honor you. Can I encourage you today that whatever you are offended by or hurt by, I promise you, you could praise Jesus through it. You do not have to allow it to keep you from holding back. But do you know when he gets the glory? He gets the glory when you worship him after the resurrection. But I'm sure he really loves when you worship him before the resurrection before you understand how things are before you fully understand why things happen the way it happened you're just fully submitted and you're like oh my goodness Jesus I love you and I praise you and I don't fully get it but you are my God you're the love of my life so even though I'm annoyed right now and I'm offended right now I surrender to you I'm gonna lift up my hands I'm gonna open up my mouth giving you all the praise glory and honor if that's you in this place lift up your hands open up your mouths and take the next two minutes and worship your god one two three go god we stand in your presence and we make it all about you because it is solely and only about you jesus we repent and we say forgive us for ever making it about us forgive us oh god for ever making it about our chipped tooth forgive us for ever making it about our offense and our feelings father god you deserve all the praise all the glory and the honor so we get back to that posture of praise we get back to that place in your presence we jump right back to sit at your feet and we say thank you for accepting us back Thank you for allowing us to be here. Thank you for not treating us as our sins deserve. God, I pray, oh God, that you heal every broken heart, every offended spirit, every wounded mind. We don't minimize the pain. We don't minimize the problem. We don't minimize what have allowed them to be here. But we do say that regardless of what it is, as difficult as that could sound, you still deserve all the praise glory and honor so God we give our lives to you we give you our best praise we give you our best oil not keeping it back from you because you are worthy of it church alive if you're agreement with that come on give Jesus a shout in this place come on let's give Jesus a hand come on if you want to hear more empowering messages and learn more about Church Alive, make sure to follow us on social media and check out our website at churchalive.tv. We hope to see you this weekend. Have a great week.